Welcome to the Health and Wellness Show on your VOCM. Now, here's your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Today's topic is nutrition and healthy eating. It's a two-part episode where in the first half, I'll walk you through the basics of nutrition and how we need to balance our eating to be healthy and have energy. In the second part of the show, we'll be joined by registered dietitian Adriana Smallwood, who is the spokesperson for the Dietitians of Canada here in Newfoundland. She's going to give us some great tips on how to eat healthy as we physically distance. You know, healthy eating is an important topic, but it might even be more important right now. And that's because nutrition impacts our physical and mental health. Now that we're practicing physical distancing and limiting our trips to the grocery store, organizations like the WHO are publishing new guides on how to eat healthy because we know that the foods we eat and the healthy activities we engage in help keep our immune system strong and our stress levels down. Other things we have to think about is we may have limited access to fresh foods, and that can lead us to raid the cookie jar more and increase our consumption of highly processed foods. These foods tend to be high in fats, sugars, and salt, and they're not great changes in our eating behavior and can have a negative effect on our overall health. These foods can increase our risk of diabetes, heart disease, and other metabolic conditions, which, as Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, we already rank among the highest rates in the country. So let's begin with a question. How much do we really understand about healthy eating. One of the things that that people really struggle with is health literacy. And in school, we're never taught about things like finance and health. And we've already had an episode on finance, but we haven't had one on food yet. And I thought this is a good opportunity for us to sit down and actually go a little bit deeper in nutrition so that we can start to you know, make some better decisions because we actually understand what is going on. I tell people about food is that people could walk into a bar somewhere and they could look behind the bar and they could order a drink and they would know how many drinks they would need to have of a certain type of drink uh, in order to get a desired effect. In other words, like they understand what that is going to do and how it's going to impact them. But yet we look at food three, four, five, six times a day. And we don't understand what that food does to us. And so it's important that we start to actually look at food as being like having a purpose in our body and looking at our plate and saying, okay, well, this food is going to do this and this food's going to do this and this food's going to do this. And so I think that's, that's where we should start today. When I explain nutrition to people, one of the ways I describe it is that we really want to look at the foods we put in our body a lot like building a house. So the first thing people think about when they think about eating well is, oh, I have to consume the right amount of calories. And if I have too many calories, that's not good. If I have too too, uh, few calories, that I'm going to, you know, probably lose lots of weight and it's going to be great. But that's not the case. When you are trying to build a strong, healthy body, and that's really what the focus of this is on, is on healthy nutrition, you need to make sure you take in the right amount of food. And the right amount of food is whatever your budget is for your house. You have a bigger house, then you need to spend more money. A smaller house, you spend less money and that's the same as our stature a bigger person needs more food and a smaller person needs less food but within that just because you come under budget doesn't necessarily mean you have a house maybe you bought uh, you had a budget of three hundred thousand dollars and all you bought was shingles you you didn't end up with a house you ended up with three hundred thousand dollars in shingles which is useless and definitely not something you can live in and so we think about that we're like okay you got to come under budget first of all but with that you have to make sure you spend your money on the right things and if we're going to build a house, well, there's three things that we typically spend our money on as, as builders, and they would be building supplies, 
We'd spend money on workers to build the house. And then we'd have to spend money on transportation to get things in and out of the job site. And that's really what food does in our body. There's three main nutrients. The first one is called protein, and that is the building blocks of our body. Every cell in our body, hair, skin, bones, teeth, muscles, everything is made of protein. And the second thing are carbohydrates. Carbohydrates give us energy. They're workers that fuel us throughout the day and allow us to, to build things with the building supplies we provide. And the last thing is transportation in and out of the cells. And these are what fats, good fats, essential fats are called. What they do is they allow good things to travel in and out of the cell, like workers and like building supplies, so that you can build a strong structure. And so we think about this. We have to make sure that we bring these things in at the right times throughout the day. So let's talk about protein first. Protein comes in all forms. There's lots of different forms of it. It can come in vegetables. It can come in dairy. And what it is, it's like tiny little building blocks. And these building blocks will go into our body and, and build new cells, new, new structures like muscle, for example, or like bone. And so the rule with proteins is the less legs the protein source has, the better. And what does that mean? Well, there's lots of protein sources that come in the form of beans or in dairy, but then there's fish which have no legs, and there's eggs which have no legs, and so they're all really good sources of protein, and you consume those, they're going to give you lots of, lots of good building supplies. And then you start getting into two-legged animals, and that would be things like poultry, and then poultry uh, has leaner cuts of meat, like chicken breasts, uh, for example, and then it's got fattier cuts of meat, like chicken legs. And then you've got your four-legged animals, which is your beef and your pork and things like that. And what that does is that tends to be fattier than the poultry or the fish. And if you think about that, it makes perfect sense because a four-legged animal is a little bit like us and the fact that, you know, we get bacon from pork belly and that's where we store our fattest people. And so... As we get more into the red meats, that's where you get higher fats, and that's why those protein sources tend not to be as healthy for us because they have more bad fats, and those are saturated fats, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. And you also think about things like poultry. Poultry, you've got your chicken legs. Well, chicken legs are fattier than chicken breasts. The reason for that is because chickens don't fly, so they don't store an energy source next to a tissue they don't use. So they don't use their, their wings the same way they use their legs, so their body stores fuel, which is fat, next to uh, a tissue. So just remember that rule. Less legs, it has the better. If you're going to have fish, you know it's going to be healthier than it's going to be if you had steak, and it's going to have less fats. But they're still going to provide protein, which is going to help build different structures in your body, especially if you're trying to build a bigger house or you're trying to repair a house after something like a workout. When do you need to drop building supplies off the job site? Well, pretty easy. You got to make sure you drop off building supplies first thing in the morning. If you don't drop them off first thing in the morning, well, then there's nothing to build with, so the job can't start. And ironically, our body never stops building new cells. It's it's always repairing our, our skin is shedding off, our nails are growing, our hair is growing, especially now during this COVID thing, we're all getting long hair. This is our body regenerating new cells. So you've constantly got to put different protein sources in, in order to make sure that we've got the building supplies we need to recover and continue to grow. So the next thing we'll talk about, I guess, would be would be fats. And fats, um, there's good fats and bad fats. And the good fats, those are those transportation things that allow things to get in and out of cells. And so the difference between good and bad fats is pretty easy to tell. A bad fat is actually solid at room temperature, which means that it's like butter or bacon fat or steak fat. And what this does is it basically, uh, it's very difficult for the body to break down. And it's actually already in the form of the fat that we would store, like when we store 
lower body fat. So when our body digests it, it says, wow, this is pretty hard to break down. It's already in the form of fat. We've got other fat we can use. Typically, high fat foods come with high sugar foods, and your body would rather use sugar than fat. So it says, let's just go store this since it's already in the right form with the other fat, and then it, and then it ends up building up, and we end up gaining weight. Good fats, on the other hand, they're liquid at room temperature. So there's things like olive oil or fish oil, or if you have natural peanut butter, it's that type of oil that's on the top of the natural peanut butter. And what this is, is because it's liquid, it means it's different than saturated fat, which means it's easier to break down. And our body basically takes this, and it's used to help surround the cells with a healthy fat layer, which allows things to conduct in and out. So the way I describe it is like, if you're genetically a three-lane highway, and that's your metabolism, you can get X amount of cars down that three-lane highway. Well, if you take in lots of bad fats, what you do is you start blocking off lanes, because these bad fats do the opposite of good fats, and they make the cell less permeable. And as a result, you can get less traffic in. So now that three-lane highway becomes a one-lane highway. So it's almost like the exit to Avondale during the summer when they were doing construction. All those cars had to go down a smaller road and it caused a traffic jam. And therefore, less cars got through. That's what bad fats do when you consume a lot of saturated fats. These are things that come in processed foods or they come in a lot of fast foods and a lot of trans fats. And you can see a label and you can look for saturated fats and you're going to see these. Meanwhile, poly or monounsaturated fat, these are the good essential fats. And what they do is they do the opposite of the bad fats. So say you're at a three-lane highway and you've eaten a lot of bad fats over time. If you eat a lot of good fats going forward, these liquid fats, things from fish and nuts and oils, what they do is they start to repair the lanes and they get rid of the roadblocks and you go back to a three-lane highway. But maybe you get really good and you start eating these foods more regularly and now all of a sudden you've built yourself a five-lane highway instead of a three-lane highway. So now you can handle more traffic than you ever could before. Well... That's important because now that allows more traffic to get in and out of the cell. This increases our metabolism and then allows a better construction project to occur because there's not as many traffic jams coming in and out of the cell. So that's protein and that's fats, and that's a start on nutrition. We're going to scoot to a break, but when we come back, I'm going to talk about the thing that is probably the most confusing for folks, and that's carbohydrates. There's a lot of diets out there that ban them completely, and then there's some that say eat them a lot. So we're going to clarify what they do and how many you should take in. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back after this break. Now back to Dr. Mike Wall. This is the Health and Wellness Show on your VOCM. Welcome back to the show. Today's episode is dedicated to nutrition, a very complex and very confusing topic for a lot of people, but hopefully today's show will be able to clarify a little bit for you so that you can make better choices when it comes to your food. We talked before the break about the importance of building a strong house, in other words, building a strong body, and we talked about building supplies, which were proteins, and that they needed to be dropped off throughout the day because our body is constantly rebuilding cells, so you think it needs to have some building supplies in the morning, and it needs to have some more building supplies dropped off at lunch, and it needs to have some more dropped off at dinner time because we're constantly rebuilding cells. So that means you've got to find a protein source for your breakfast, for your lunch, and for your dinner. And that could be super easy. That could be things like having an egg for breakfast and it could be having a chicken sandwich for lunch and it could be a piece of fish for dinner there's lots of ways around it maybe you're vegetarian or you're vegan and you wanted to have a source of beans or you wanted to have something like dairy if that's something that's allowed in your diet there's lots of ways that you can get these different forms of protein in but the real key is that you have to get them in throughout the day and the rule that we told you about was basically the less legs the protein source has the better because it's got less saturated fats typically the less legs it has. So fish, eggs, 
dairy, bean sources, vegetable sources, all really good. Getting into poultry is not as good as the other sources, but not bad. And then you get into red meat, which tend to have fattier cuts than the other protein sources. Then we talked about fats, and there was good fats and bad fats. Remember that bad fats were solid at room temperature. They're called saturated fats. And what they do is they're already in the form of body fat or pretty close to it. So your body stores it real easily. They're hard to break down. So your body says, let's not use these. Let's just store them in case we ever need them someday, which is very unlikely likely in today's society where we have lots of food. And so we gain weight when we eat a lot of saturated fats. They also have a lot of fat effects for our metabolism and the risk of heart disease and high cholesterol and things like that. But there's good fats and good fats do quite the opposite. They actually speed up our metabolism and they come in the forms of things that are liquid at room temperature, things like olive oil and, and uh, fish oil and nut oil. And these, what they do is they take our highway and they make our highway have more lanes. And the more lanes we have, the more traffic we can get in and out of our cells, which means our metabolism increases and we end up being able to liberate more energy, lose weight, have more energy coming in our cells, build a better house. And that's really a good situation. Now, the thing that we're going to talk about now are carbohydrates. And carbohydrates are easily the most confusing part of nutrition for a lot of people because everywhere we look, it's there's keto diets where we can't eat any carbohydrates whatsoever. Or there's things like the South Beach diet that said you have to wait two weeks before you introduce any new carbohydrates in. And the reason why is that our body's preferred source of energy is carbohydrates. And in today's society, there are readily available sources of high-carbohydrate foods and foods that are very sugary and break down very easily and give us lots of energy. So the reality is it's very easy for us to consume a lot of energy and we don't expend as much energy. So our body, you know, doesn't typically benefit from as many carbohydrates as we consume because we just don't use them all. So here's the rule. Carbohydrates come in two major forms if you were to break it down in the simplest of forms. And and we could get really complicated with this, but I've learned that, you know, it's real easy to keep it keep it simple. And so we'll break it down into two forms. There's there's sugars and then there's complex carbohydrates. And the difference between the two is that they have the same amount of calories. So if you look at a, a label, for example, and you looked at a handful of jelly beans and you looked at an apple, you may find that they have very similar grams of carbohydrates between the two and similar amount of calories. But the difference is that that apple is going to break down very slowly in the body while your jelly beans are going to break down very quickly. So it's almost like if you had 100 calories in in your jelly beans and 100 calories in the apple, it would be like all 100 people and carbohydrates, remember, in our construction analogy, carbohydrates are workers. So 100 people show up at the job site at one time. That's what happens when you have something sugary. They break down very quickly and they all show up at once. So now all the workers show up and the supervisor is inundated by all the tradespeople showing up to build that house at once. And, you, and basically he says, um, you guys go here and the rest of you just go wait over here until I figure out what to do. And when your body says to the carbohydrates to go wait because we don't have a need for you, they store as fat. And so they form triglycerides with other fat circulating in the body. And what they do is they store and then we don't end up accessing them. They just sit around and they're gone until someday when we don't have enough food. So the reality is we don't want to consume foods that break down very quickly and give us a lot of energy unless there's a real high demand for energy. So this is why things like Gatorade have high sugar. It's because you just finished running the Tele 10. You can drink a Gatorade and that will replenish the energy that you expended very quickly. But for, if we're just sitting there watching the Tele 10 or we're watching sports on TV or we're sitting on the couch or we're having a sedentary job and we're consuming high sugar, well, there's no need for that amount of sugar. So our body ends up storing it because there's no demand. And so that's the first thing is there's a difference 
between sugar and complex carbs. Complex carbohydrates, they come in more natural forms, things like fruits and, and grains and root vegetables. And what they do is they, they may have the same amount of carbohydrates as a sugary type food. So imagine that those 100 workers don't show up at once like the sugar source did. They show up over the next three, four hours. So now 10 workers show up and that's the scaffolders and they say, okay, scaffolders, you go over here. And then the electricians show up and they say, okay, you guys go over here and work on this. And then 20 minutes later, the plumbers show up and then they say, go over here and work. And so the reality beyond is that it gives you time to use that. And if you've got a moderately uh, sedentary job, well, you aren't expending that much energy at one time. So, you know, you could use a bit of a staggered approach for that energy. So now you've got a better chance to use it instead of it all showing up at once. And that's the difference. So ultimately, our body needs to have carbohydrates to function. Our brain loves carbohydrates. That's the preferred energy source. So these restrictive diets that take out all carbohydrates, one of the things I would recommend you do is is don't jump to that level first. What I would say is experiment with taking in the right type of carbohydrates at the right time first. So if you wake up in the morning and you are fasting because you haven't eaten all night long, so that's why breakfast is called break fast, break the fast. It would be a good idea to have a complex carbohydrate for breakfast, and that could be something like oatmeal. And that would give you some sustained energy, which would carry you through until lunchtime when you could have a healthy sandwich with some whole grain bread, or you could have some sweet potatoes on the side, or you could have some beans. There's any number of sources you could find. It could be a piece of fruit, for example. And then when supper time rolls around, instead of having no carbohydrates throughout the day and then having a really big meal at the end of the day, I would have another small serving of carbohydrates. Maybe you have some peas maybe have a small potato maybe you have a ton of vegetables because vegetables have a very small amount of carbohydrates and what this does is it gives you energy and workers throughout the course of the day so if you think about your job site again let's go back to those analogies so we wanted to drop off building supplies first thing in the morning and again at lunchtime and then uh, again at supper time because we want to make sure that we've always got building supplies to replenish those cells that are always being rebuilt we wanted to make sure the roads were open by having good fat so we had a good fat first thing in the morning and at lunch and then again at supper time and the same thing with carbohydrates Carbohydrates. You wake up in the morning, you have the right amount of a good complex carbohydrate, which provides you with workers to build a job. At lunchtime, you put a little bit more in, and then at supper time, you put a few more in. Maybe you don't put as many at the end of the day because you're about to go to sleep out of it, and you've already had all your activity for the day, so maybe you have a little bit less because you don't need as many workers when the job's about to wind down. But ultimately, you still need to put some energy in throughout the day. And so that could be something as simple as for breakfast, you have an egg with some toast, which is your carbohydrate for your toast, and that egg is your protein and the you put some peanut butter on that toast which actually has some good fats and a little bit more protein for lunchtime you decide to have bean salad or something like that with some legumes which gives you a really good source of of carbohydrates but also of protein and maybe you have some chicken on a salad and you put on that salad you put some olive oil dressings so you're giving yourself some good fats and some good proteins and you've had some good carbohydrates from the beans and then for supper time you have a huge plate of vegetables with a nice piece of salmon and that salmon has protein but it also has fats. And you can see that, you know, what you've done there is you've well-rounded the nutrients throughout the day. The problem with it all is that you have to learn what foods have what nutrients. And this takes a bit of effort. There's no one that can do this for you. And so what I'd recommend for most people is really be cognizant over the next little while. We have tons of time on our hands to teach ourselves something new. And we can teach ourselves a skill that would be valuable to have for the rest of our lives. And that is understanding what the foods we're eating do. Most of us can look at a plate of food and know that the food on that plate is healthy, but very few of us can be able to determine whether or not that food is what 
we need at that moment. Ironically, in my research, I actually found that the types of foods you can eat will actually cause more satiety if you end up rounding out all the nutrients you need. So for example, if you drop off the carbohydrates and the fats and the proteins at the same time, your stomach actually recognizes it and the signal that goes to your brain says we're full. Now you can eat the same amount of food, but if it's only one type of nutrient, your brain may still trigger you to be hungry. And that's because our brain says we're missing building supplies or we're missing workers or we're missing transportation in and out of the job site. And so when you look at your plate, Look at it and say, do I have a protein source? Do I have a carbohydrate source? Do I have a good fat on this plate? And then on top of that, you might want to throw a ton of extra vegetables because they got lots of vitamins and minerals in them. And then all of a sudden, you've got yourself a really nice, nice meal that's going to make you healthy going forward. And if you can start to take that approach and be able to understand the effects of these different nutrients in our body, you'll be able to make better choices and you'll be able to say, look, I've caused more damage to my body because I started exercising. I might need more protein or I might need more energy. Or I've been eating lots of saturated fat for a long time. I'm going to start choosing good fats. Instead of chips, I'm going to have some nuts. And that's going to be a better choice for me. And so that empowerment is something I would encourage people to start learning about the foods, reading labels, understanding what those labels mean, finding foods that you like, looking at recipes that work for you and your family. And as a result, you may end up finding that you've got a much more well-rounded approach towards nutrition. So that's some pretty basic information on nutrition. But after the break, we're going to be joined by registered dietitian Adriana Smallwood. She is the spokesperson for the Dietitians of Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. She'll walk us through some specific healthy eating tips during this COVID-19 pandemic and also take us through Canada's new food guide, which was recently revamped in 2019. We'll be right back after the break. Now back to Dr. Mike Wall. This is the Health and Wellness Show on your VOCM. Welcome back. I'm here with Adriana Smallwood. She's a regional spokesperson for Dietitians of Canada, a board member of the St. John's chapter of the Celiac Association. She also was the founder of Newfound Balance, a dietetics counseling company here in Newfoundland. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. All right. Maybe the first thing we can talk about is like, what is the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist? That's an awesome question, and I love when people ask that. So a dietitian um, has to go through four years of schooling, and they have to get their undergraduate degree in nutrition um, or biochemistry nutrition, depending on where they're doing their program. Um, Then it's followed usually about a year, sometimes more, sometimes a little bit less, in a healthcare facility. I myself did uh, my year in Eastern Health. So you go through your clinical practices. So you might spend two weeks in one area, four weeks in another. So you get about a year of clinical experience. And then you have to write um, a national exam. And every year after that, you have to get about 15 education credits. So you have to maintain your education and make sure that you're doing that and uh, renew your license every single year. And it's also a protected title. And a protected title is something like if a person's a nurse or a doctor, they nobody else can call themselves that except um, them. So a dietitian actually is a protected title, whereas a nutritionist isn't. So anybody can call themselves a nutritionist. They don't really need to, you know, go to school for it or do anything like that. So there's a little bit of a difference there. Um, a little bit of education has to go into becoming a dietitian and not necessarily a nutritionist. Right. Well, you're the right person to talk to then. That's good. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there there are some specific challenges uh, that people are facing around the COVID-19 pandemic. There's 
there's increased food uh, insecurity. There's a lack of access to fresh produce. And, you know, people are having trouble grocery shopping. So they go once a week, if at most. So what are the key things uh, people should keep in mind when they're looking at their eating habits? Yeah, you know, there, this has been a huge spotlight that's been shown, especially on Newfoundland coming out of our state of emergency. We were already very food insecure, um, right. you know, and I talk to people about this a lot. Uh, it's really important to eat fresh produce and fresh food, obviously, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, canned or frozen foods either. So usually I suggest to people, you know, stock up for your week or two weeks if you're going to the grocery store. And actually, it's probably beneficial that way. I mean, I myself, I'm, I find I'm spending less money at the grocery store because I used to go every second day, and now we're only going mm-hmm. every week and a half, I would say. So, you know, get your fresh produce, um, but stock up on frozen and canned. Uh, where we're on an island, you know, about 80% of our of our food is actually imported. So if you think about, you know, fruit and vegetables, Right from the moment it is picked from the ground or from a tree or from a bush, it starts to degrade in its nutritional quality. So if we're getting things shipped here, you know, first it's going by, you know, train or truck, then it's going by boat, and and then it's got to go back on a truck again to get trucked across the province. So you can see that, you know, the nutritional quality is probably degraded from the first time. And now if we're shopping local, I know there's a huge push now for local farmers, and that's been going great. That's much different. The nutritional quality of fresh produce within our province would be much higher. But fresh, um, you know, is just as healthy for us on an island as frozen and canned because it's picked, it's blanched, which means it's dipped very quickly in boiling water to get rid of those enzymes that's going to break it down, and it's flash frozen. So it's actually you know, frozen and stored at the peak of its nutritional quality. So, you know, I always grab uh, canned and frozen goods when they're on sale and stock it in my fridge and deep freeze for just that reason, because, you know, towards the end of the week when your fresh produce and everything like that starts to wane, you know, you can make, you can use frozen fruit for smoothies or blend it up in muffins or pancakes, different things like that, or you can use um, frozen and canned veggies and stir fries and other things. So, you know, it's just as healthy. And a lot of times it's it's easier on your pocketbook to get frozen and canned produce. It is. And it's funny because you can make a lot of different things. You can you can cook batches at one point and, and have meals for the rest of the week. Uh, so those, those things make it much easier. Those are, So that's like some vegetables and some fruit. We talked earlier in the show, I uh, was explaining some proteins, carbohydrates, and, and healthy fats. Are there certain things people should look at in their pantry to make sure that they've got a balance of the different nutrients they need? Absolutely. Again, um, stocking up on canned beans, peas, lentils, um, or dried beans, peas, and lentils, uh, any kind of fish, canned um, you know, salmon, tuna, sardines. I just t- t- make sure that people uh, are buying things that are packaged in water or their own juices because, you know, you can really increase the amount of sodium you're getting if you're picking something up that's, like, packaged in brine. So, you know, keep a stock of, um, you know, tuna, beans. I always suggest to people, and it's, it's much easier, uh, I say a can of beans is probably about three servings of protein. And that's a lot cheaper. A can of beans is a lot cheaper than a steak, you know. And right. especially here, I, I've noticed in the last couple of weeks in particular, um, the meat aisle, the, the fresh meat aisle, is it's a little bit, like you're saying, we're not having as much access. So, mm-hmm. you know, canned beans, canned fish are, are definitely extremely healthy options. And, you know, Canada's new food guide put a big push on eating more plant-based proteins. And it would even be, you know, it's within the realm of that. So it's, it's a lot easier on your on your pocketbook. 
it's healthier yeah. for you because it's still a great source of protein. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, talking about food security is that Food First NL, um, they have a website, and on their website, they have a list of all the community food prog- programs in Newfoundland and what they're doing right now, if they're offering food, if they're offering a monthly hamper. Um, so for anybody who's struggling, um, you know, f- with food security, it's not yeah. uncommon. You know, we are one of the highest um, users of food banks in Canada. So if you find yourself needing that um, access, Food First NL does have a list of all the community programs in the various communities throughout Newfoundland. So if you find yourself strapped one particular week or even for a whole month, that's something that you can look into too. That's excellent. That's excellent advice for people because I know that that's a challenge for a lot of people, especially with the financial constraints that we're put under where some people can't work at this time, even if they, they wanted to. Um, 100%. So one of the, yeah. Well, one of the things I hear is, is that people are now getting their physical activity by going to the fridge to get more food um, because they're just surrounded. They're at home. They're, they've got food around them all the time, and their eating habits can be suffering sometimes because they're just snacking and eating all the time. Any advice for people to avoid that? Yeah, I I know that, you know, everybody's routine is totally off right now, but it's really important to try and maintain as much of a schedule as you can. So making sure that you are sitting down and having your breakfast, lunch and supper and eating at those regular intervals. Skipping meals leads to overeating all the time. It's it's known for that. So just making sure that you are doing that. Um, you know, when you do go to the fridge, you want to stop yourself before you get there and say, you know, am I am I actually hungry or am I bored? Um, you know, take the time to really practice some, um, you know, some neat thinking. And again, Canada's new food guide really focused on eating behaviors. It's not just about what you're eating. And a lot of times the people coming to me, their eating habits aren't that bad. They're not eating terrible things, but they're skipping meals or, and that leads to overeating later in the night. Or, you know, it's, it's a lot about their eating habits. Um, you think yourself, if you're sitting down watching TV and you're eating before you know it, the food's gone. Can you even taste it in your mouth? So take the time to start practicing, um, you know, connecting with your body, because if we don't sense our hunger and fullness cues and we're not paying attention to the food we're eating, it's really, it's possible to overeat. And it's the same thing with going to the fridge. You know, a lot of times we're bored. So try and pick up a a new, um, you know, some kind of a new habit or um, something that keeps your hands and minds engaged. There's lots of great uh, exercise programs too online that you can do. Um, the weather's been good the last couple of days. Try and get outside. So exercise really helps with that kind of stuff too. Um, so it's not just like I said about the food. It's more about the habits surrounding that and um, really connecting with your mind and your body and and thinking about that part. Like, am I hungry or am I bored? So a well, lot of the times people- is that we're bored. <laughs> Yeah, people confuse uh, thirst and hunger a lot, too. The weight of your stomach can dictate satiety as well, so maybe that's just a good chance to skip the fridge, go over to the tap, and get a glass of water instead, which people probably don't drink enough water as is, right? Absolutely, and a lot of times when we're tired, you know, uh, we drink coffee, but uh, or, you know, we think that we're not eating enough, but a lot of times it's because we are dehydrated. Um, dehydration causes tiredness and exhaustion as well. Right. Okay. Well, that's a good thing. Um, okay. So what about um, somebody who is uh, living by themselves? Okay. So it's it's tough to prepare meals for one person. Any advice there for folks? Oh, 100%. You know, 
it, this is a great time for everybody, not just single individuals. And there's a lot of them, whether, you know, you're a younger uh, student or an older person uh, who has lost their significant other. Um, you could practice, take this time to practice batch cooking. So we're all really busy, um, you know, and that's one thing I think that this whole situation has taught us. We're all stopped in our tracks right now and we realize how busy we are. And again, like I said, it's not just about what you're eating, it's about your habits, right? So mm-hmm. um, t- take the time to stock up your fridge. You know, you know, you don't have to eat everything that you make in one setting. So make throw on that extra chicken breast and, and freeze it so that you don't have to cook you know when this is all over you could have a whole fridge full of you know soups and chili and you know muffins healthy muffins or granola bars or what have you that you can have to lean on in those extra busy times so think of it as a benefit um you know and it is hard to cook for one but think of it that way always cook extra anyways and freeze it and then you know, it doesn't matter if we have all this time on our hands. We don't have to be spending it cooking all the time. So you're actually That's helping true. yourself. Yeah. Spend the time to cook something great and then just make multiple dishes of it so you can you can revisit it whenever you want. Exactly. Well, that's great advice so far. We're going to take a little break, um, but we'll be right back. We're here with Adriana Smallwood. She's a regional media spokesperson for Dietitians of Canada. Now back to Dr. Mike Wall. This is the Health and Wellness Show on your VOCM. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with Adriana Smallwood. She's the regional media spokesperson for Dietitians of Canada. She's also a member of the St. John's Chapter of the Celiac Association and founder of Newfound Balanced Dietetics Counseling here in Newfoundland. Welcome again the show. Um, Here uh, we are talking about uh, nutrition today and some of the key things. And we mentioned the food guide in the first part of the segment. Um, Do you want to walk folks through what the major changes were in in this new revised food guide that's out? Absolutely. Um, Like I mentioned in the first part of the show, the new food guide wasn't just based on food. And I'll get to that in a minute, but it was more based on the habits behind eating. Like I said, in my practice and in a lot of other dietitians' practice, we see that, you know, it's not always the things that people are eating, but it's the habits behind them. And as a society, we're really busy. Sometimes we're skipping meals. Other times we're relying very heavily on convenience foods because, again, we're busy and we're not taking the time to eat food. And the biggest thing that we found was that food skills across Canada widely have decreased. So the ability to cook, to put ingredients together, to know what to do with those things, it's very heavily decreased in the um, in the new generation. So if you look at Canada's Food Guide now, it does absolutely talk about food and the different food groups, but also it goes into those healthy eating habits, being mindful um, of your eating. So making sure that when you are sitting down to the table, there's no distractions, there's no cell phones, um, there's no tablets, there's no TVs, because it's really hard to tune into what you're eating and focus on the food when you're being distracted. And, you know, like I said earlier, that that really impacts our ability to see when we're full. I mean, how many people have shoveled through their plate in five minutes and realized they're so full they're sick because they ate too fast and they weren't paying attention to what they're eating like it's it's not an uncommon thing it's ironic i used to when i first started i was a personal trainer and uh between clients you'd have about five minutes and so i ate well nine tenths of my meal uh (laughs) standing up and within five minutes and just getting it in you know and and i had to train myself to actually be more mindful when i was eating and, and dedicate the time to it yeah i agree with that Exactly. So, I mean, one big thing about 
you know, healthier eating is being mindful of what you're doing. The other thing is, is cooking more often. So we're, we're relying very heavily on, you know, processed, pre-cooked foods. Make your own if, if you don't, you know, if you can't have the time every single day, that's fine. You know, everybody has at least an hour during the week, whether it's a Tuesday evening or a Sunday afternoon. You have an hour where you can sit there and you can chop a few veggies. You can clean some fruit. You can put it in little containers in the fridge. Make a space in your fridge or dedicate a freezer or, sorry, um, a crisper uh, to your snack foods. So cut up some cheese for crackers or um, wash your veggies and portion them out. Get some, get your quarter cup measure. A quarter cup of nuts or seeds is equal to a serving. Get your quarter cup measure. Make your own trail mix. Pour it in those little snack-sized Ziploc baggies. Put it in the cupboard in a little um, area that you can designate for snack things. It might seem like not very much time, but in an hour you can prep enough stuff that it definitely makes a huge impact in the rest of your week. The other thing, you know, that uh, the new food guide relied heavily on was how to incorporate foods. So, you know, a lot of people don't really know how to cook plant-based proteins. So if you go in uh, under the protein section, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you would see how to cook, prepare, and incorporate the various sorts of plant-based proteins into your meals, even fruits and veggies. So a lot of Canadians have a decrease, especially here in Newfoundland. We have the lowest intake of fruits and vegetables in all of Canada. So there's lots of ways and how to incorporate um, fruits and veggies into your diet, how to prepare them. Um, You know, so it it focuses on, you know, taking a person and and saying, okay, you have no food knowledge whatsoever. And it gives you that knowledge. And it's it's not meant to be printed. I think a lot of people were confused about the new food guide. So if you look at it, it's this beautiful, colorful plate. Um, Mm -hmm. it's meant to be interactive. So if you go on there and you click on each of the portions of the plate, so um, the one portion has beans, egg, uh, meats, that's the protein section. If you click on the protein section, um, it'll go there and it'll tell you all the sources of protein, how to cook them, how to prepare them. Um, So it does that. And it's the same for the fruit section and it's the same for the um, grain section. So you can go under each section there. So it's very much meant to be interactive. And in saying that... that, Sorry, they can find that from searching Canada's Food Guide online? Yeah, you can go to the Canadian governmental website or you can just um, say Canada's New Food Guide. Um, or foodguide.ca. The other big thing is that there's only three food groups now, and I think initially that caused a big stir um, because people thought that dairy had been taken from the food groups. But it is, in fact, now part of the protein section because, you know, as most people aren't aware, um, a cup of milk or, you know, a half a cup to three-quarters of a cup of yogurt contains about eight to nine grams of protein. So it's actually a great source of protein. Mm Mm-hmm. I always tell people the less legs, uh, the protein source has the better, which is, you know, right in line with the food guide where it says, you know, plant-based proteins and dairy, eggs, things like that. And then sort of tapering down a little bit on the on the emphasis on the red meats and things like that these days because of the health benefits. Um, Absolutely. People are, you know, people have an opportunity right now where they're at home and, you know, they can focus a little bit more on food. I think health is a little bit more top of mind, whether people have good behaviors or bad. They're a little bit more conscious of what they're doing right now. If you could give advice to folks, put one habit in place um, for nutrition or, or, or diet in the next little while, what would you what would you tell them? 
I would say focus on your portion sizing would probably be the biggest thing, especially here in Newfoundland. Um, and, and using that plate model uh, that the Canada's New Food Guide is focusing on, you know, as dietitians, it's been five or six years that we've been using the plate model. So we're very happy to see that the New Food Guide looks that way. And, you know, a lot of people, if we're to visualize a plate, the New Food Guide, half of the plate is fruits and vegetables. A quarter of the plate is protein, and then the other quarter of the plate is your grains and starches. Right. So, you know, most people, especially here in Newfoundland, our whole half of the plate is protein. You know, and mm-hmm. we have the highest rates of cardiac and diabetes um, in Canada. And again, um, you know, we have a very high-fat, high-salt diet. So if you're focusing on your portion size and trying to get more fruits and veggies in there to make that look like that plate, you're going to increase the amount of fiber in your diet. You're going to decrease the amount of um, you're going to decrease the amount of fat. So just that one thing can change your whole diet. And and you can focus on the plate model for breakfast, lunch, and supper. For breakfast, it might be more fruits on your half of plate than veggies, and then lunch and supper. Even if you think about your sandwich or your wrap or your salad, um, you know you can visualize what that plate would look like all mixed up but keeping in mind those portion sizes that's excellent well i mean i think that one of the things that's coming out is that you see things like diabetes and heart disease being uh, more significant factors for mortality for COVID 19 and even some things like uh like lung lung infections or smoking uh so you know with a province that has these challenges it, it might be important are there any things people can do from a, a dietary standpoint to keep their immune system strong Yeah, you know, firstly, there's no single food, supplement, or natural food product that will prevent, unfortunately, catching COVID-19. But um, the reason that, you know, I myself, and I'm assuming you would too, and anybody else in the the, um, health food industry, would be highly against um, diets, say, like um, keto or something that's very restrictive, it's because... Uh, you're not getting a whole balance of your food. So, you know, the reason Canada's Food Guide has all the food groups and recommends getting some from every food group with every meal is because each of those foods provides some sort of nutrient that if you were to just eat one food group all day long, you wouldn't get all the nutrients you need. So eating, you know, a diet that's rich in fruits and vegetables, protein and whole grains, plus incorporating your healthy lifestyle factors in there like exercise, cutting back on smoking and quitting eventually if if you are a smoker and getting adequate sleep, all of those things help to boost your immune system. It's not just one thing that we can focus on. It's eating a variety of food and making sure you're getting all of your nutrients and taking care of your body, getting lots of rest. And, you know, the other thing, a huge thing, uh, there's a huge mental health component to this whole COVID thing that's, you know, going on right now because, you know, people have, their, their cycles have been totally, totally disrupted. And there's so many mental health services that are available right now. So don't be afraid to avail of those. And, you know, food is the only comfort that's normal and stable right now, I would say. You know, the food that's in our house and our regular meals and the foods that we enjoy, that's probably the only stability in most people's lives. So give yourself some some slack, too. You know, if you're going to go have a chocolate bar, you know, don't don't get down on yourself for doing that. You know, we do have comfort food and for a reason. Um, Now, if it becomes something that you're doing multiple times a day, that can add up, but don't be afraid to, you know, indulge in your comfort food, you know, a couple of times a week. Yeah. 80% an A. You can still get 20% wrong sometimes and you're, you're still, you're still on the honor roll. 
Uh, I think okay. that, you know, it's a, it's a coping mechanism for people sometimes, and you can find healthy ways around that. But once in a while, a treat is just a treat, right? So exactly. Um, and if you do find it being a problem, um, yeah. you know, you can reach out to you know a dietitian. Um, yeah. The eight one one Healthline has uh, a dietitian now, so you can talk to somebody for free and get yeah. all kinds of great information there for free. That's awesome. Well, I mean, we're going to wrap up here soon, but uh, how can people reach uh, reach you uh, if they if they need some advice? Um, you can reach me through my website at newfoundbalance.com. Um, there's lots of other great resources too, like dietitians.ca, uh, lockfood.ca. The British Columbia, the province of British Columbia, has a great uh, healthline. Um, they have lots of great information on their website. And like I mentioned, the 811 healthline. There is a dietitian there that works Monday to Friday. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're you're on the weekend and you know you're busy, they also have uh, an email that you can reach them by that they'll get back to you during Monday to Friday. So you can reach them either by phone or email. Um, and also dietitians.ca has a find a dietitian app. So, you know, there are multiple dietitians within St. John's Newfoundland and you can go in there and you can see what they specialize in to see if it's something that you can, you know, focus on. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate all of your great advice. Thank you so much. You stay safe. You too. Well, that was Adriana Smallwood. She's the regional media spokesperson for the Dietitians of Canada. That's today's show, folks. Hope you learned something new. We'll check in with you again same time next week.